Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Welcome into this Golf Channel podcast presented by Top Golf. Uh, I'm your host, Will Gray, joined en vive and en couleur by uh, senior writer for GolfChannel.com, Rex Hoggard. Rex, we are in Paris. We're adjusting to life uh, in France. It's a bit of an adjustment, but we're getting there so far. Initial thoughts, having spent a couple days here, we've seen the golf course. It looks incredibly, incredibly intimidating for me as a hacker. Uh, I would not want to play it on a Tuesday afternoon, let alone with 6,000, 7,000 people standing behind me, booing and cheering if I missed a, a five-foot putt. But uh, what are your initial thoughts for, for your time here? Bienvenue. Bienvenue. Right? Well done. Yeah, you've done yeah. good. You're my translator while I'm here. <laughs> um, it, very difficult golf course. It was funny hearing Jordan Spieth talk today about there's going to be a lot of fist-pumping pars. You don't hear that very much. Yep. I mean, it's going to be vastly different than what we saw at Hazeltine National and Medina and even Glen Eagles. I mean... I think most Ryder Cup golf courses have been set up for birdies. And mm-hmm. it makes complete sense when you look at the makeup of that European team. I mean, give Thomas Bjorn credit. He has taken a venue that these guys know, that host of the French Open every year. They're familiar with this golf course and, and made it more European, if you can do that. I, I was walking a practice round yesterday, and Justin Thomas's dad, Mike, pointed out that not only did they have thick rough and narrow fairways, but the rough is mowed back yep. towards the tee. So if you find the rough, you're not going to be able to even find the green. So it'll be a different Ryder Cup than I think we've expected, but I still think you're going to get those fist pump moments. You're going to get the cheers. You're going to get the big swings. Maybe just not. I, I wouldn't expect Patrick Reed, Roy McIlroy, part two. Part <laughs> two, I guess. is what Part I two, yeah. yes. I, I wouldn't expect that. No, not, not eight birdies and an eagle through eight holes. I would yeah. expect that. Uh, I don't know that we're ever going to see a Patrick Reed Rory sequel again, but certainly, I mean, I think that was it goes to your point with what Thomas Bjorn has done that they came away from Hazeltine National feeling like it was too not necessarily easy, but it played into the U.S. hands in terms of it was wide open. There wasn't a lot of rough. Guys like Phil could bomb it two fairways across and still manage to have a 30 footer for birdie, and then it became a putting contest, which more often than not plays into the strengths of of the U.S. squad. So this is going to be a little different. And, again, walking the practice rounds the other day with, with some of the teams, I mean, just watching the Americans try to figure out lines off of tees. I mean, Dustin was the most fascinating one because we all know he'd much prefer to hit driver. I mean, that's his default right. option if he and A.J. had to have an extended conversation. It's, I'm just going with driver. Give me the driver, bro. And it's not going to be that way this week. I mean, I saw him on numerous occasions following him on Tuesday, and, yeah, that's not going to work here. Like, it just pinches in too much, and there's nowhere to hit it. So, 
going to see a lot of long irons off the tee. The, the best will be the first hole. Yeah. I mean, you walk to the top of those grandstands. That's got to be the coolest thing yeah. I think I've ever seen in golf as far as infrastructure and setup. Yeah, it is very cool. I love the compressed setup of 15 through 18. Those final four holes where you figure 90% of the matches are going to end somewhere in that stretch. They are right there on top of each other. You don't have to go very far if you're a fan to be able to see one hole versus the other. And especially if you go up to that, that nosebleed section of at the top of the, the grandstand, you can see almost half the golf course up there. It's right on top of you. You hitting that first tee shot? If you and I are in a foursomes match, you, you're going to take, take the ball. I'll take the ball and I will peel my, my three iron into the right rough and I'll let you hack it back <laughs> into the fairway and then we'll, we'll go from there. I feel like we can make a smooth six in foursomes play. In some and of the matches we'll we play, that might win the hole. You Let's be honest. We've you seen never know. We, we've sullied it up enough here. Uh, but we're talking uh, Wednesday evening Paris time, so we've had a couple full days of practice. We've spoken to most of the players and the captains a couple times in interview sessions. And right now is the part, the tipping part, where you get a little antsy. This isn't a Thursday start like a usual PJ Tour event. We've got to wait till Friday. We have another day of speculation and reading the tea leaves and trying to see who's going to go with whom. And I think we need to start with the U.S. side because I think that that has a little bit more of, of question marks. I think we all kind of came into the week expecting Spieth Reed to be written in stone. At this point, perhaps that might not be the case. There was talk of Tiger and Bryson. Now maybe Bryson is going to play with Phil. What are your thoughts on, on how the U.S. potential pairings seem to be stacking up for Jim Fuhrer? If you can read into the tea leaves, which are the groupings, right, the first right. two days, and they've been relatively consistent, I think what Jim tried to do the first day is because the Americans don't have a lot of experience on this golf course, tried to work a player into each one of the foursomes that at least had some sort of experience, at least seen the golf course before. But what we saw today, I think, is probably a pretty good indication. I don't know if he's going straight pods on us. but It's, it's close. It's close. I, you get the idea. Yeah, I think P. Reed and Tiger – are pretty much a done deal at this point. And it is interesting because you're looking, You he is breaking up Jordan and Patrick, and we all know how successful they have been. And if things go poorly, this is going to come back, and we're going to be having this conversation next week, and it's, it's not going to go well for Jim. Well, it's not quite Hal Sutton putting Tiger and Phil together and running down the rabbit hole with that, but you're right. They're 8-1-3 and three together in team events between Ryder Cup and President's Cup. That's, that's tough. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, I think would be a lot of the mantra that, that many would go with that. But it might be going another way. And I think if you look down potential pairings, I think obviously if Jordan's going to go elsewhere, it looks like JT is going to be an obvious choice. And I don't know if you know this, but they're friends. I've heard that. Yeah, uh, from time to time. They're Ryan friends. Labner pointed that out to me today in the press yeah, conference. Yeah, in the press conference. I got a Justin. good reaction from Justin. I yeah. think uh, those two, I think, will pair very, very well. It will be interesting to see how Tiger and Patrick, if that does kind of play out, I think Tiger has, has embraced his role as the elder statesman, let's be honest. Yeah. And a lot like Phil has done in recent years, I think he wants to be with a younger player that kind of brings that energy and brings that out of him. And let's face it, we haven't had a whole lot of success <laughs> in finding a partner for Tiger Woods. So this could end up being genius or it could backfire. But I, I do like it. I, I kind of understand where Jim's coming from. But he is setting himself up for some Monday morning captaining if this doesn't go well. Well, you mentioned genius. And one of the other potential pairings here uh, includes a lot of headspace. There would be a lot of calculations going on if Phil and Bryson were to pair together. Not necessarily one that we may have drawn up. A week ago, a month ago, certainly three months ago, but uh, you know, Phil's out there testing Bryson's ball today, making it seem like potentially they could be teaming up in a foursomes match where you got to adjust to the equipment of the other player. What are your thoughts on, on maybe Bryson and Phil? And I still think we could very well see Tiger and Bryson. I mean, yeah. they've spent a lot of time the last couple of weeks at Eastlake. Last week they played a practice round, and Tiger was chipping and putting with Bryson's golf ball. So they were trying to 
get as many pairings as possible. I know it's it's kind of a pull down menu, really, <laughs> for Jim Furyk is what it feels like at this point. A lot of bits and pieces you can fit into different categories. But can you imagine the conversation? on the first tee between those two, talking about what you want to do with that first tee shot. 6,000-plus fans screaming. It's freezing cold. I mean, that'll be entertainment in and of itself. We need dew point. We need barometric pressure. We need wind vectors. Rotation of the earth. Don't forget everything you need to factor in. If you take all of these variables into account, as Bryson has explained, the rest of the game's easy. And then you would have Phil set the line of, like, minus 180, hit the fairway, and then he'd be betting into himself. I walked a practice around with those two uh, two days ago, and some of the conversations that I eavesdropped on, head still hurts. <laughs> uh, I can I can see that. Uh, the other pairing that I think a lot of people expected, that I think at least may not come to fruition, is DJ and Kepka. That they are seen as the Bash brothers, uh, you know, good friends on and off the course. But based on the the pseudo pods that we've seen from Jim Furyk, it seems like DJ is more likely to go with Ricky which would leave Brooks with Tony Finau. I am very intrigued by a potential Brooks-Finau uh, duo, not necessarily in foursomes, but I think that would be an electric group in four balls with a lot of potential. But uh, how do you feel about how he's going to use the guys who have won, what, the last three U.S. Opens between the two of them? Well, I think DJ and Ricky are going to end up being a good choice. They play a lot of golf together. They're friends, and they have complimentary games. Let's be honest. I mean, uh, Ricky can hit the ball far, but he doesn't bash it like DJ does, and I think particularly in the four ball. I mean, those two can go out and make a lot of birdies, and on this golf course, that's going to be crucial. If you can go out and make three or four birdies, you're probably going to end up winning your match, how difficult this golf course is playing. And I I can see Brooks with Tony. I think that will, I mean, you're you're essentially talking about a guy who's played one Ryder Cup. I know Brooks has played a home game before. He's never played one over here with a rookie. So if those two can somehow pair together, and get over the nerves and get over the idea that, look, this is difficult. There's a reason why the United States hasn't won one of these things in 25 years on, on European soil. Those two could be an interesting pairing. We've got to take some time to, to look at the other side with Thomas Bjorn. Are there any maybe one or two potential pairings from the European side that stick out? It seems like Rory and Rom might be going together after Rory mm-hmm. certainly doesn't have Thomas Peters to lean on as he did at Hazeltine. Uh, any of those guys, certainly I, I think we can, we can pencil in Stenson and Rose to, to lead off. I think you probably pin that one in. Can't, yeah. can't we just go ahead and just say that's probably yes. going to be one? I mean, that's sort of the luxury that Thomas has, right? I mean, the Europeans have historically had these built-in pairings. You don't have to put a lot of thought into them. It's made it relatively easy for captains in recent years. Putting Rory with Rom, I mean, I think Rom was going to be a difficult fit for anybody on the team. That's why I think Thomas was probably leaning, considering Rafa mm-hmm. as a potential pick. They played together in the World Cup. Because you do have to find someone that the chemistry works. And look, I know he and Sergio are kind of cut from the same mold, but everyone kind of agrees they probably wouldn't end up being a very good pairing together. I mean, they're two distinct personalities. Whereas I think Rory is right now, I think you pointed out the other day, he's very much the veteran in that team room. He could probably match up with anybody really well. He could bring out the best in John. Absolutely. And, and that's really what he did with Thomas. I mean, those two were an unstoppable force last time around, and you can see that potentially happening again. Five Ryder Cups for Rory before the age of 30 is certainly a mind-boggling stat when you realize how tough it is to make one of these teams. Uh, I think going down the line, I mean, remember, that Bjorn has five rookies, including Rom, to work into. I think there's a potential for an Ian Poulter, Terrell Hatton duo, which would put Come on, gas... you wanted to see Terrell and Rom, though. Let, let's Either be honest. Way, That's the whoever, one we wanted to see. Whoever you put Hatton with, I mean, you're putting gas on any number of fires. I, th- I think that... I mean, remember that Poulter and Hatton, they're going to play together for England at the World Cup. So I do think that there is 
there's some precedent here that, that we could see the two of them together. And I think, I mean, you want to talk about fire, those two would, would light up this place like no other. Oh, yeah. I mean, let's face it. Hatton shows so much emotion on the golf course, and he talked about it earlier this week. He's not going to back off. That's who he is, and you wouldn't expect him to show up at an event like this and try to change that. The other half of that team fits in really nicely. Let's be honest. Anybody can go out there and play with Tommy Fleetwood. Yep. I mean, he has such a solid game. Anyone can go out there and probably wants to play with Francesco Molinari. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at his record in the Ryder Cups, he's coming off winning the Open Championship. He's a fairways and greens guy. I mean, I think those are going to be the horses. And don't forget Alex Noren, who, by the way, won on this golf course three, four months ago. It, it, and that leads to the next interesting conversation. about we, we run into this every year. Based on the world rankings, and I totally get it, the Americans are paper lions. Yep. Let's be honest. They, they should be the favorites. I get it. The wise guys in Vegas, they're, they're going to do what they have to do. But I keep going back to the idea that Thomas has done everything he can to make sure this golf course is perfect for his team. And he has all these interchangeable parts that if you look at them individually, they probably aren't overly intimidating. But suddenly you start putting them together. He's got some solid teams. I'm not sure that I would give the Americans the edge right now. Well, I, I know I will say that I've spent a little more time in Vegas than you did, but I, we'll just run through some of these. Never been. Num- Looking forward to going in November. There you, we'll, we'll, t- we'll take it. It'll be great. Uh, I mean, the U.S. got out to about a minus 200 favorite at one point, which means you got to bet 200 to win 100. It's a serious, serious edge. And then all of a sudden the money starts coming in on Europe. They go from plus 175 to plus 150, now down to plus 130. Last time I checked, we're edging closer to a coin flip as we get closer to the matches, it seems to be that the betting public shares your sentiment that even though Europe might not have the stats, they might not have the world rankings, there is still that 25-year drought that you spoke of. It is difficult for the U.S. to win in Europe. They've tried with strong teams before and come up short. I'm not sure that this is necessarily going to be the week that they get it done. Well, talking with Davis Love this afternoon, a two-time captain, obviously the vice captain this time around, that was kind of the message to the team last night. That, look, this is sort of like, and Michael Jordan spoke before the Ryder Cup. He, Davis had him come in and talk to the team back when it was at Medina. He brought up a good point about Team USA. Is Look, we were a team full of all-star players, but we had a hard time becoming an all-star team. And I think that's the trick for Furyk right now. I mean, he obviously has some studs on that team. I mean... Brooks Kepka is a two-time major champion this season. Tiger Woods might be the hottest player on the planet right now. Bryson DeChambeau won two of the four playoff events. You can keep going on and on and on. When your weak link is Jordan Spieth, yep. you, you got to feel pretty good about your team. And I don't mean that to, to knock Jordan. I mean, but he didn't make it to the Tour Championship. He hasn't played his best golf this season. You look at all those things. Can they come together as an all-star team, though? That, that's the million-dollar question. I know. I spoke to both captains or asked both captains in the, the press center today that the question of as we get closer to the opening ceremonies Thursday and then the, the first pairings for Friday's matches, what's what's the bigger dilemma? Who to pair with who or who to sit? you got to sit for those guys for each session. This is where some of the strategy and intrigue of the Ryder Cup really comes in that we don't have with the President's Cup. That You've got to tell a lot of guys who are playing really well right now and who are chomping at the bit to get on that golf course, no, we got to pump the brakes and you got to have breakfast in the team room today. Uh, it, that's why the pairings tomorrow will be fascinating to me because how do you tell Brooks Kepka, who's won two majors this year, that, look, I'm going to sit you in the morning. I mean, he is going to go crazy sitting waiting for that, that afternoon might be a, That might be a strategy move for Brooks, though, because he apparently plays very well with a chip on his shoulder. He does, and he's played really well throughout his career with a chip on his shoulder. And, and I think it, it's a, who to sit is always difficult. Because you have guys, particularly on the American team, and Justin Thomas said when he was in tonight, he would play six matches if they let him. There's only five. He would play six, though, if they let him. Or he would play two or three. Whatever it is the captain needs, I think everybody is kind of on the same page. I mean, 
in a lot of ways, even though the United States has the cup right now, I still think it feels like it's back against the wall because of the magic number that we just threw up. 25 years is a long time. You go through it, I mean, almost a third of the U.S. team was in diapers yep. the last time the U.S. won a Ryder Cup on European soil. That is a tall task. It's pretty much the only thing missing from Phil Mickelson's team resume is the fact that he started right after this this streak began. He was not on that 93 team at the Belfry, and it's amazing to think the Tiger hasn't won one either. The only one that they've won together was at, at Brookline, and they won that by the skin of their teeth. But uh, Jordan Spieth was in there today saying that those are the only two with scar tissue. The other 10 of us were okay. We have no scar tissue. Maybe one or two guys like uh, Bubba and Ricky who were on the, the team in Wales in 2010. But for the most part, it's some fresh faces and guys who, sure. who played well at Glen Eagles even though they lost, and then the guys that were part of the Victoria squad at Hazeltine two years ago. Well, and he was, Jordan was quick to point out that they also have 20 majors between them and Not whatever that. it was, 126. 120-something, yeah. Yeah, 120-something PGA Tour victory. So even though there's some scar tissue here, that fact that Tiger has only won one Ryder Cup in his career is yep. baffling to me. Yep. Like, you just don't get it. You don't understand it. Well, what do you think, as we, as we focus on Tiger here for a minute, he mentioned in his uh, remarks yesterday that he has only sat one team session ever in, in his Ryder Cup career. And, and he that asked was, to do it. He asked to do it because the back wasn't feeling great at Medina. So let's set the over-under at, at three and a half in terms of out of five. How many sessions do you feel like Tiger is going to play? Do you see him potentially going four out of five sessions, maybe only sitting once this week? I do. Yeah, I really do because, again, it kind of – I'm sure, you know, the toughest thing for a captain to do, it's been easy up to now. It's going to get hard on Friday afternoon about noon because you're going to have to come up with your afternoon pairings and you're going to have to make some decisions on the fly. Yep. It doesn't matter how prepared you've been that are going to be difficult. You're going to have to decide to switch teams up if guys aren't playing well or maybe put some new faces in if you think that's, that's what it takes. And so I think when you look at what Tiger Woods can possibly do in the morning session, I fully expect to see him tee off. I mean, it's... It's four-ball play. It seems it, it would fit his style. Let a rip. As, as well as he's hitting his irons, it seems baffling to me that he wouldn't put him into that four-ball session. And then will he be ready to go in the afternoon? Will, will he be physically ready to go in the afternoon, number one? And how did he perform in the morning? I can see him going two on Friday and then maybe sitting out the afternoon session just to be fresh for Sunday singles. One of the best conversations that came up today, and you were in there with me, was Rory. Yep. talking about that, that great match that we were talking about with Patrick Reed last year on Sunday and how even though we kind of fixate on that, it was three days of that type of emotion. And when it came to the end, Sunday afternoon, he had nothing left in the tank. You don't want Tiger to get to Sunday afternoon and have nothing in the tank. Uh, I don't want to read too much into I mean, Tiger and, and the back injury. There's, there's a lot been written about that, but he seems to be healthy this year uh, in 2018 and clearly coming off a great performance at Eastlake. But I do think the weather could be a factor. I mean, you and I... Both got a little chilly this morning. When you're rolling into Le Golf Nacional, it's going to be maybe 40, 45 degrees when those guys tee off in that first session around 8 o'clock local time. Do you feel like that might be a factor in terms of how much time it's going to take Tiger to get warmed up at age 42 with, with the, uh, the back fusion and then potentially playing two matches in one day? I think it'll be something he's well cognizant of. And throughout this season, it's been interesting to hear him talk I think there was a weather delay in L.A. Yeah. I think there was a fog delay. And how he used that as a litmus test, having to sit around and then go back out and to see how his back held up. It was freezing cold one morning in Tampa when he was playing the Valspar Championship. He talked about it was important for him to see how his, his body w would function. I think he has to do more than he already does, which is probably a lot because he's not very open when he talks about <laughs> what his routine is. My guess is it's a two-hour routine to get ready and – when he's teeing off Friday morning, my guess it'll be a three-hour routine. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he's an old 42. 
Yeah. Let's be honest. So it'll take an, a little bit extra time, but I don't expect that to be an issue. Give me one sleeper, uh, potentially, in terms of a guy that, that we're not focusing a lot on who could go 3-1 and one and play a pivotal role in a victory. Well, it seems like it's always a European. I fully expect Tommy Fleetwood to go out yeah. there and play well. He's the 3-1 and one guy. I mean, he's kind of had that look about him. I can see Alex Norn doing the same, same thing. And the guy on the American side that I see could potentially have a great week is Tony Finau. Yeah. I mean, when you consider what he did to essentially make the team, you know, let's look at the big picture right now. He gets off to a bad start at the PGA, paired with Furyk on Thursday and comes back with 10 birdies on Friday, and then he plays so well in the playoffs. I, I think he's really good when his back is against the wall. He's a competitor. He's an athlete. I could see him having a really good week. It feels like, you know, I had a discussion with Brandel last week, and he was talking much to your point about how the Europeans are being a little undersold, and then he thinks they should be the favorites. From talking to you, uh, and certainly with, with Ryan Labner this week, I, I'm kind of coming around to the notion that Europe could very well win this thing, maybe by two or three points, but, but I guess we got to put a pin in the ground here on Wednesday. You think that uh, the, the streak endures, that, that the U.S. is going to go into Rome in 2022, having to answer questions about 1993? No, I think the U.S. wins, but it's going to be tight. Okay. I think we're talking about a, a, the last match on Sunday coming down to the 18th hole. Oof. I mean, I, I, it's not going to be a blowout either way. I think these two teams are so evenly matched. But everything that Jim has done, I think when the chapter is finally written on Jim's captaincy, he will go down as one of the best captains, at least of this generation, simply because of the time and effort and thought he's put into it. And he's had the luxury of watching how Davis Love and the rest of the task force, terrible name, still task force, <laughs> was able to turn things around. And that's the idea, right? That's that's why they, they birthed the task force. That's That was all it. They wanted a voice. They wanted to have a say in the room. They wanted to have some sort of continuity. All these things have added up. Now, as Phil pointed out, everything is set. They've been given their best possible opportunity to win. It's time for the players to go out and perform. All the you know best laid plans can can vanish in a hurry. At the Ryder Cup, uh, Thomas Bjorn was talking this morning about he's got a great plan, and then someone pointed out, well, I think Darren Clark had a really good plan too, and then they went 0-4 in the Friday morning session, and that plan went out the window really quick, and Rory and Thomas Peters, who hadn't played a practice round together, all of a sudden got thrown together and, and managed to play pretty well. But these guys might have to think on their feet depending on how things go on Friday, especially in that critical morning session. And look, there's some guys on the U.S. team that aren't playing great right now. I don't know that Bubba Watson's playing great golf. Let's face it, Phil Mickelson. Booba. Over here he's Booba. Booba. He's not playing great golf. Phil's not playing great golf. I don't know what kind of form Jordan Spieth's going to be in because we haven't seen him play since the BMW Championship. So there are some question marks out there for the U.S. team as opposed to the European team. Now, Sergio Garcia is a huge question mark. Yeah. Essentially a guy that lost his tour card. He did not lose his tour card. I understand that. But he didn't make the playoffs. Uh, it, it depends on how these wild cards play out. I think the anchors on each team will perform as you expect them to perform. It'll be the guys that you're kind of not sure about. That'll probably be the deciding factor. Well, you're bullish on Furyk as a captain. You think the U.S. is going to win for the first time in a quarter century over here. I've got to make you make your call. You're not going to leave me hanging. Come I'm, on. I, we'll get there. But my question to you, I will say, I think Europe 15-13. I think Europe is going to... Oh, man, we're out. throwing numbers out now. Yeah, that's fine. You don't have to go. I mean, it could very well end in a tie, and technically that, that's I, I'm right on that. Tie right? goes so, to the runner, right? So I get the push on that one. You I like, would, I like would getting the push. One. I'll give you the push. <laughs> uh, but how do you feel like uh, Thomas Bjorn's captaincy is going to be graded in hindsight as we look back on this? Uh, he's going to be a good, uh, very good captain, and I think it's just from a communication standpoint. You know, Being able to talk to a lot of the European players recently, Paul Casey showed me last week at the Tour Championship just the litany of text messages that he's gotten over the last six months 
from Thomas. And I mean, communication will not be an issue. I think what it'll come down to is who performs the best, you know, kind of at the end of the day. So I hate using that. <laughs> but uh, he will go down as a very good captain. However, ending the 25-year streak, that'll be a blemish. Yeah. I really do think that'll be a blemish. We're not going to see any Nick Faldo, Valhalla, Tom Watson, Glenn Eagles. No one's driving the bus across either of these two captains if it's a close match? I don't think so. I think the only thing, I don't think a player would drive a bus across, Jim. I think if they end up losing, then, yeah, there's some things in retrospect yeah. that, again, the Monday morning captains are going to sit and go, why in the world would you break up Jordan and Patrick? You and I can sit here and say, oh, it's a good idea, and Patrick's right. going to be a good fit for Tiger. But if it doesn't play out... It, Look, you can nitpick all of these things. I mean, Phil Mickelson, Keegan Bradley not playing all four team sessions after they went 3-0 and to start the week still baffles me. Yep. And you just make decisions on the fly, and maybe that's the key to being a good captain. You make a decision and you stick with it. This is going to be a great event. It's had months of anticipation, but come Monday, one of these two teams is getting a new task force. Someone's going to be upset, and they're going to have to try and reinvent the wheel, even though they're sitting here on the eve of things, feeling like all the pieces are in place. As, as many giggles as I got from the Europeans about the task force, quote-unquote, oh, they, they might do it. They would never call it the task force, right. and we will probably never know <laughs> about it because they, they, were, they always kind of rolled their eyes in the weeks and months and years after that was named. And Yeah, that's what you need. You need a task force to win. You just need to make a couple more putts. Right. Uh, as, as a Florida fan who just watched his football team lose to Kentucky for the first time in forever, all streaks come to an end. And when they do, it hurts. So this uh, eventually the U.S. is going to win in Europe. I'm not sure if it's going to be this week, but eventually it does, and I agree. It will land with a resounding thud on this side of the Atlantic. As a Florida State fan that just watched his game, team almost lose to Samford, I feel you, fan. I'm right there with See, you. There's, there's a lot of rebuilding to be done between our two football <laughs> programs. But, uh, all right, I think that's a good place to end it. One of us is going to be right uh, on who leaves France with the cup, but I think that... We both agree it's going to be an exciting week. I think this golf course is going to be a great star, hmm. and that grandstand. Is I going think to be the crowds are going to be the a grandstand great star. on one is going to be the place to be, bright and early Friday morning. Have a jacket. Have a jacket. Maybe a ski cap. Maybe two jackets. A cafe. Cafe au lait, maybe. Cafe au lait. There you go. Oh, we have a colleague that hates those. We so do. Probably. All right. That's all right. All right. Well, uh, bonjour. Senior writer, GolfChannel.com, Rex Hoggard. Merci beaucoup for joining us. Uh, I'm your host, Will Gray. This has been the Golf Channel Podcast presented by Top Golf. Remember, log on to GolfChannel.com slash podcast. Subscribe, Art19, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcast. Search Golf Channel as the keyword and you will find us. Thanks for listening and adieu from France. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.